Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going live. I know, I know. Hold on a second, everybody. We're running a little bit behind, as per usual here on The Reaction. It starts now. I think we'll stop at the Nickelback theme. I really like the Papa Roach one. All right, everybody. The reaction, November 17th, 2014, live on Powerhouse Radio. I am Harry Broadhurst. Tony Acero, my traditional co-host, will be joining me a little bit later on. But for now, in order to fill in the gap until he gets here, and they'll probably stick around in order to do predictions and everything for Survivor Series as well, let's bring in, first of all, Jimmy Christopher, good evening, sir. Good evening, Harry. How are you? I'm doing very well, and yourself? Oh, I cannot complain. I'm still trying to figure out the cluster fudge that was that main event segment, personally. Oh, man. I hate cluster fudges. <laughs> and the other guy joining us right now... Sean Garmer is brought to you by Wrestling to the Mat. Well, you still have your own person. You still have your own personal <laughs> intro. Sean Garmer. That's, uh, I feel so privileged. As well, you should. As I mentioned, Tony will be joining us a little bit later. Um. All right, so Tony actually did send me a script, but since Tony isn't here right now, we're going to go ahead and do a special. Window. We're just going to go ahead and do a special edition of shooting the shit here on the reaction. And yes, we can use those words here, Sean. It's okay. <laughs> Throw Tony's script out the window because he isn't here. Whoa. Jimmy's apparently so a like movie announcer guy. Yeah, exactly. It's like that one guy that always does every single voiceover for every single action movie ever made. Oh, I've got a thousand of them. Can't knock it. Dude's making bank. Yeah, really can't. Good voice for it. 
All right. So, Luke Harper, Seth Rollins, Mark Henry, Rusev, and Kane. Do we have any issues at all with the members of Team Authority for Survivor Series? No. I wish Kane didn't have to be there. I understand why he's there. Uh, if if the word if the rumors are to be true and WrestleMania coming up here is going to be Kane Swan song, I'm okay with him getting one last main event. Because you know it's not gonna be a singles match main event anytime going forward here, especially given all the young and upcoming guys that they're trying to build on guys like Dean Ambrose and Bray Wyatt and Seth Rollins lately. So Kane Kane's had his it's like you said, it's his swan song. It's not like it's some end-all, be-all of his career. He's He's been to the top of the mountain. He's done the things that the companies needed him to. If this is the way he goes out, I say all for it. Yeah, I have a feeling that somehow his involvement ends up leading to him getting a match with a member, another member of his authority brother and going, going for it and... Hopefully building towards something even bigger going forward at WrestleMania. I mean, I know the rumors are out there for the six-man tag match, and I, for one, would love to see that happen because, I mean, obviously we know that it's probably going to be the Ascension with Bray Wyatt once they get their official call-up. We don't know when that'll be, but it probably will be the Ascension. So the the rumors making the rounds for WrestleMania have been the Ascension and Bray Wyatt versus Sting, The Undertaker, and Kane. And what better way for Taker and Kane to go out is what, with one last match together as a team, and what better way for Sting to have his WrestleMania moment than to come in teaming with the man who many have always felt is his WWF equivalent. Uh-uh. If Sting's going to have one match at WrestleMania, it needs to be a singles match. That's just my thought. Whether it's Undertaker, Triple H, or Cena, this needs to happen. I'm not totally I, I, against I the idea of the sixth man. I just I don't see the the thrill in it being Sting's WrestleMania moment shared with these two other guys. It just doesn't seem like something that seems yeah, important. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but at the same time, you're able to use a six-man tag like this one to hide Sting's noted limitations inside of the ring, especially if you've seen him in the You don't way. have to hide. You don't have to hide his noted limitations, Harry. The thing about Sting is he can still go decently. He doesn't have to go a thousand miles per hour anymore. He's an icon. He is the icon. But more importantly, he's a guy that's methodical. He's turned his persona into this slow, kind of almost sinister persona. His character is so different. He doesn't have to do anything over the top or crazy, but people are always waiting to see what he'll do next. But he's perfected. So even if he goes very slow during that match, people are going to wait and see what he's going to do next. What is he going to do next? What is he going to do next? But he's going to do it slowly. He's going to make them wait for it. He's going to make them want it and yearn to see what he's going to do next. It's not all just about him anymore. He knows that. All right, what about... That's why I think uh, Triple H... Um, Go ahead, Because he's a ring general. He knows what he's doing, and... Uh, you know, similar to, you know, Rock and Hogan. If Rock and Hogan went off, and granted, the crowd made that much better than it would have been with, without the crowd being as crazy as it was, 
I think uh, you're talking about WrestleMania singles match with Sting. The crowd's going to go nuts. It'll be fine. If you're going to have it as WrestleMania 31 is just a build up to another final match at WrestleMania 32, then I'm fine with the six man. But not as his one WrestleMania moment. That's terrible. Totally uh, how about the rumored? How about the rumored Sting versus Bray Wyatt singles match? Ugh. I'd just be worried that that would stink up the joint. Yep, my big concern for that match. Bray, is we've seen Bray have good yeah. matches with people that know how to work, and even people that know how to work, like Jericho. You know, he didn't always have a. It took him a while to have a good match, with Jericho. So, you know. Yeah, I definitely agree. I don't think that his stint with Jericho was the best that he's ever done. But at the same time, he needs somebody in there that knows how to get around the ring, how to work the crowd, how to do everything the right way. He can do it. I just don't like that they would want to put him in there with Sting so quickly because it just seems like Wyatt will almost become one of those guys that, oh, it's WrestleMania. Hey, there's this guy. We should put him with them. And I understand that. Jericho wanted to work with Wyatt forever, but you don't want to do that with Sting. You want Sting's match to be memorable. You want it to be against one of the best. You want it to be against Taker. You want it to be against Triple H. You want it to be against uh, throw insert legendary name number three into here. That's what you want to do with him because you want to give him that WrestleMania moment. The moment is supposed to be remembered because it was standout, because it was different, because it was unique and important. Not oh, it's Wyatt again. You know, it's it's just it just doesn't work that way for me. My biggest concern about the whole situation is that Bray Wyatt would end up dropping a match to Sting at Mania and then falling further down into the shuffle than he already has so far. Yeah. Plus, yeah, I don't uh, even think it, that's a problem. If uh. It, I, I wouldn't have a problem with it. I, I, I think Bray would Bray and uh Sting would work better as like a SummerSlam thing. Where if Sting lost it wouldn't be that big of a deal. After he'd already had a WrestleMania match or something. I just I don't think that works in that situation. Taker getting to have a swan song against like let's say he has one more match against a younger guy or something like that. I'm fine with because Taker knows what he's doing. And he's not completely at that age yet where it. I think it's just terrible. I just think Brock was not a matchup for him. But let's say, you know, Taker had his final match with Rollins or Bryan or something like that. I think it would still come off fine. Thing and Bray, I think they would clash and it would just be really bad. Yeah, right, I so think that Bray... I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jimmy. Go ahead, Jimmy. Finish your oh, thought and we'll move on. Just the thing with Bray, like I so said, you said you're afraid that he would go down further in the shuffle. The thing about Bray is he's got that character that can get mixed in anywhere. He's already proven that with Dean Ambrose right now. It's, oh, Bray was kind of lost. He was kind of out on his own thing. Then he put himself into the most anticipated match at uh, Hell in a Cell. And he put himself there because he could, because that's the kind of character he has. I don't think that he could get lost in the shuffle 
because you could put him anywhere. And now he comes in with Ambrose, and he goes, oh, Ambrose, I know your past, boy. I know this. I know that. And, you know, this is something that they build up on. Bray Wyatt just got inserted into that because that's the type of character and ability that he has. Sure, he doesn't put on the most fantastic matches, but he's got the ability he's to speak on the microphone, and it's enjoyable. It's not boring. It doesn't drag on and on forever. And in order for something like that to get lost in the shuffle, I think it's hard-pressed to imagine when you're so easily uh, put into something such as what he's done with Ambrose so far. All right, that's fair enough. So we discussed the members of Team Authority for the Survivor Series match. Let's discuss the members of Team Cena, and before we discuss the members of Team Cena, let's discuss the member of Team Cena that isn't, and I refer to Cesaro. Would you guys have liked to have seen that face turn out of Cesaro tonight and let it actually stick and have him be a part of Team Team Cena, especially after being basically cut off, well, cut off by his balls by Kane a couple weeks ago on SmackDown when he originally put Cesaro into that match with Ryback. No, I don't think that uh, Cesaro needed to be on Team Cena. I think he's still kind of working his way back up the ranks. I think he, uh, I mean, we all know why he got put where he did. And now it's just a matter of him eating crow and working his way back up. I don't think there was any chance or believability that he would have ended up on Team Cena. Sean, your thoughts? I was fine with the swerve. I thought it was funny. Uh, I didn't. Uh, he they had me believing for a second because of the rumors that supposed Cesaro was supposed to be on the team originally. But you know, as, so, as soon as you know, you know that Ryback's the last guy to come out. They've done all this promotion with Ryback. It's just like it would have kind of felt weird unless all of a sudden they decided at the last minute to make it six versus six and Triple H just kind of insert himself in the match. And I would have been fine with it. But I think right now, um. He was right. You know, Cesaro's where he is because he spat it off. And he's great. There's no way that Cesaro's not going to wind up at the top at some point. It's just everybody's got to go through this sometimes, it seems, where you're just in hell for a while and then you you get to the top. Yeah, I think that has a lot to do with it, too, in regards to, as you guys were saying, about uh, the comments that Cesaro's made recently and the fact that his profile on the episodes of Raw, SmackDown, and especially these special pay-per-view events has significantly decreased since he made the comments that he did, losing in two straight falls to to Dolph at, excuse me, Hell in the Cell, and then not even being a part of the match here at Survivor Series. Um... All right, let's talk about the five men that do make up Team Cena then. Let's talk about John Cena. Well, obviously that would go without speaking. Dolph Ziggler, The Big Show, Ryback, as Sean mentioned. And the one that I think might surprise us the most here, and that would be Eric Rowan. Uh, What are our thoughts on Eric Rowan? A, being moved into a babyface gimmick with his new repackaging here and B, being put into such a high-profile match at the start of his babyface initiation. Um, I think you're setting the bar for him really high after being repackaged. 
I think that in order for him to have any uh, justification being on that team, he needs to at least not be the first person eliminated from that match. Uh, I don't mind the pick so much after thinking about it for a little bit before getting on here tonight, but at first I wasn't really thrilled with it, but I think it has a lot of potential because I, I'm hoping that he and uh, Luke Harper do get in there together at one point in the match, and I think they can just go do a lot of big men things, do a lot of things that big men can't do together, and I think they'll pull off something interesting to watch. But I'm, I at first, like I said, I wasn't sold on it. I'm not against it anymore, but I'm still very skeptical about it. Sean, I was sold on it from the moment it happened. Uh, I was like, oh, holy crap, they're really going to do Rowan. This is great. Uh, you know, the total surprise for one. And I'm glad because we all know that whatever the hell he was doing with the comedy gimmick or whatever, and I'm sure he's still going to do that some. Nobody was going to give two craps about the guy at all. So the okay. fact that you immediately put him in a match makes you go, Okay, Navy, I need to take him seriously. I totally agree with him, though, in that if he's the first first person eliminated, then you don't take him seriously as much. I think he'll stay in there, maybe be like the second or third guy eliminated. But still, the point that he's in this match, I think, is a big big deal for Rowan. I think it's an almost foregone conclusion that Big Show's going to be the first person eliminated from Team Cena. He's, he's got that, that uh, curse on him. Being the first guy eliminated in big Survivor Series matches. Lest he really doesn't hurt him because he's Big Show. He he got pinned by Shane McMahon against the Alliance. Bad Big Show. Bad. Well, in fairness, he got hit with like four finishers before Shane pinned him. Bad Big Show. Yeah. Bad. <laughs> no, he. I, I'm, I don't I mean, take him. Don't take him seriously in this match at all. Uh, one member of Team Cena that we haven't discussed is John Cena himself, and actually there's somebody here that I think would be best going into that here, so let's go ahead and get to that. What up, bitches? Uh-oh. Uh-oh, is that Tony? Oh, Tony. Oh, I Big Papa you. Tony's in the house. What's up, fellas? Wait, pull, the, pull Tony's script out of the trash can, quick. <laughs> right next to the wooden uh, mic. Uh, uh, Tony Acero. I got to be right now. Cause I can't get much stronger. Man, I've been waiting. Yeah, so that was a segue into my first do, which is um, can we just agree that John Cena is the worst? member ever. I mean, worse than turncoat Kurt Angle, like worse than anyone. Um, he spent the entire show watching Ryback, which is a little bit creepy. He saw Dolph Ziggler get his ass beat. He saw Sheamus get his, get his ass beat. He saw a lot of shit go down that would have made complete sense if he showed up at any given point. Um, I know that what they were going for is Cena as the Lone Ranger at the very end. Which, again, you know, you've heard it here many times, and I did coin the phrase, so if you've heard it anywhere else, then they've stolen it. Uh, Cena went full Denzel tonight. Um, 
he just went all crazy, like, remember the Titans, changed his voice, thinking he was rallying troops that weren't even with him. And, uh, yeah, it just, just the dude was, come on, guys. Like, I'm not saying make it so that he comes out and tries to save everyone, because I probably would have complained about that, too. But at the very least, make it a legitimate reason why he can't say that the authority banned all the team members from the ringside of each one of these matches. Mention that John Cena is not at the arena yet. Do something that makes me believe that Cena just isn't a douche too busy watching Ryback to go help Dolph Ziggler from getting curb stomped to hell. Tony, stop making sense. (laughs) Okay. God, God knows creative's forgotten how to do it. Okay, that's not entirely true. No, I totally agree with what Tony basically just got done saying. It doesn't make sense that Cena's sitting there on in the back watching Ryback, Ryback's match with Cesaro on the TV. But, you know, 20 minutes earlier, Ziggler was getting the absolute shit kicked out of him, and he was just standing there, huh. You know, Ziggler's wearing some very cool tights tonight. I really dig those tights. And that, that I don't know what he was actually thinking or what the gimmick was that kept him away from coming down there and helping. But, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, in previous weeks, they had announced... Wow. In previous weeks, Triple H had announced that the other members of Team Cena were banned from ringside during the courses of the matches for guys like Ziggler and like Big Show and Sheamus and stuff. Tonight, no such announcement was made, to my knowledge. And as you said, Tony, it kind of made Cena come off like a douche for not coming out and doing anything to stop the beatdown that happened. I just saw it as a kind of understood without saying that Cena wasn't going to come out. And I didn't expect him to come out because then if he comes out for one, he was going to have to come out for every single one. And then you can't do what you're doing at the end. He can't pick and choose who he's going to come out for. He's either going to come out for nobody or he's going to come out for everybody. He's the captain, right? So why is he going to come out for Ziggler and then not come out for Big Show and not come out for, you know? Well, let me ask you a question. Who did the authority come out for? Every member of the authority. Well, that's the point, though. You cannot do that story at the end if you have him come out for every single... How are they all supposed to somewhat be injured if Cena comes out and saves them before they can get injured? Then let me just pontificate on the fact that it's bad writing. Yeah, should they have announced something that Cena was banned from ringside? Sure. But, you know... the other thing about that, too, is, I mean, yeah, you're still going to have that issue getting to uh, getting to the main event segment the way that it was, but at least Cena comes out and makes the saves in those other two segments. You don't have Cena coming out looking like a giant asshole for not for being in the building and not doing anything to save Ziggler, Big Show, or Sheamus. Well, I know yeah. I understand. I'm saying they could have easily solved it by what Tony said, just... Tell everybody Cena's banned from ringside for all these matches, whatever, and then he can he has a reason to sit there and watch Ryback because he has nothing else to do. But yeah, it was you know was, I, think I like we all the agree. idea. Yeah, yeah, we do. We're just saying it differently. I like the idea of the overarching. Once again, like the show as a whole had one integral um, idea, and and it worked. And I like the idea of a Survivor Series team being broken down methodically throughout the entire show. I like that idea, and I thought that um, the idea itself was strong enough to be executed. However, it's just one of those things, just exactly like you said, repeating myself, is that if they just, like, it's one little piece that they're always missing that could fix everything, 
You know, it's, it's, it's the, the smallest. Yeah, the smallest detail, the smallest detail ever that you could just, you know, the segment, the opening segment, I, I joked with Harry because I knew I was going to be late for the show, just waste 20 minutes talking about nothing that we can say in about three minutes and we should be fine. Because um, that's exactly what happened tonight on Raw. Yep. Absolutely. I missed that whole first opening segment and felt like I missed nothing. You didn't. <laughs> Next topic, Harry. Well, here you go. Let's talk oh, bad talking while he's not here. Ha. Beautiful. I run this bitch now. All right, we're going to talk about AJ Lee and all things great about oh, her. Oh, God. Let's start with the... <laughs> oh. And the show just went to so AJ leaving, Tony? Are, are you upset? Uh, she's not going anywhere. Have you ever so, seen Misery? Uh, misery, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, actually, the next topic would be, I don't know what you guys opened with, but I wanted to specifically speak about um, the Intercontinental Championship. Um, oh, no, we, we haven't spoken about that at all, so we're good. Okay, on SmackDown, there was an awesome match for Dolph, and great, and I believe that a lot of people are saying um, I believe that a lot of people are saying that he is finally bringing a little bit of credence back to the belt, and people are getting excited about it. And then tonight he has a match, and he loses the title. So essentially the question is, A, are you okay with him losing it? And B, are you okay with him losing it to the person that he lost it to? And what does that imply about Luke Harper? See, it's weird, because at first I also said, oh, I don't like that they took it off him. But if they were going to give it to somebody, I don't mind that it's Luke Harper. I was totally on the fence with this because I was like, yeah, everybody knew that Luke Harper was about to start this singles career. Everyone was looking forward to it and whatever. That's fine. But to just kind of throw the title on him tonight, the go-home go show before the uh, before the pay-per-view just seems like a waste to me. Like, give them the storyline. Let them work up to it. Let them have something so that they can say, man, remember that? You know, whole storyline that led up to Harper taking this title off of Ziggler. Man, that was amazing. Because, I mean, everyone's going to remember the the triple threat from SmackDown. But, uh, I mean, I'll remember, I guess, the Harper-Ziggler match from tonight. But I don't think either of them were at their best. Well, a couple of things to touch on there. The first one of which is the fact that, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I mentioned as much on the yes thread about it and the fact that I wasn't a big fan of them hot-shotting the Intercontinental title on the Luke Harper. I feel that there is a time and a place for Luke Harper to be the Intercontinental champion because I think that for as, for as agile and athletic a big man as Harper is, he has a definite place at the hop, upper part of the card in the WWE in the future. However, I do not believe that tonight was the night to give him the Intercontinental title, and the reason I say that is because, as you said, the focus tonight should have been on establishing storylines for Survivor Series pay-per-view and having the right out with Dolph in order to have him get attacked by Seth Rollins. He could have gotten curb stomped by Rollins without dropping the title tonight, and then you could have done the build towards TLC where Ziggler drops the Intercontinental title to Harper rather than hot-shotting it on an episode of Monday Night Raw. 
I would disagree with you on that point in that how many times do we see Dolph Ziggler get the total piss beat out of him and he's there on the next show? So this doesn't, the way, the only way that it makes sense to me is that how do we make it to where Ziggler is really affected by what happens? Oh, he not only got curb stomp, he lost the title. So now he's really down in the dumps as opposed to just getting beat up, which happens all the time. So, you know, he has a rematch, and I think it's it's also all in the chase. You know, Luke Harper is a heel. As much as we like him because he can work and everything, Harper's a heel. People are going to get more behind Ziggler chasing the title than they are Harper making this ascension because he's great and eventually taking the title off Ziggler. I think the job was done anyway because Ziggler's had so many daggum defenses <laughs> in the time he's had the title after he beat Miz that I think he brought the prestige back. Now if they can let Harper and him have a storyline that actually goes a while before Ziggler gets the title again, I think it's it works out. <clears throat> yeah, my immediate reaction was, oh, well, that's interesting. Uh, and then the, they had a lot of obvious air falls in the beginning of the show, and they even had the tease where he got attacked before the match started, where it was almost evident that he was going to lose the belt. And then they had an actual match where you thought, well, maybe he's not. Um, within that, you know, 10-minute break uh, or that 10 minutes, they kind of toyed with you a little bit, and I appreciate that because it didn't mean that Dolph was a chump. He actually had a match. He fought for the belt, and he lost it. And, um, you know, I have to agree with the aspect of even though I didn't want to see him lose it, um, we always whine, we always complain about them not building new stars, not building, uh, you know, people not bringing them up at the right time or not this or that the Wyatt family has arguably been one of the success stories underneath only the shield. Um, and even that is iffy because you can put them on linear levels considering Seth Rollins has only ever had the briefcase. Dean Ambrose had a U.S. title run that didn't even matter. And Roman Reigns is injured. You look at the Wyatt family, they're in the main event of survivor series. And not only that, I mean, Bray's got to be pissed. Because <laughs> Luke Harper's getting the title and well, Rowan is, is, you know, on the Survivor Series. But kayfabe-wise, Bray Wyatt's a genius. He saved these guys, and now they're in the main event, and he can use that shit to no end. He can simply say, look where you, look where I brought these guys. Look where I can bring you, blah, blah, blah. I do what he does best. So even though Dolph has been putting on some matches, he does that anyway. Um, and, yeah, he brought the title up to a particular level. Let's see if Harper can do more. And I do agree, and I didn't think about that, the fact that there is a rematch and that there are going to be matches, which means that there will be a storyline in place, hopefully, after Survivor Series. All right, real quick before we move forward, because we were discussing this before you got on the air, Tony. Um, a, your thoughts on the Cesaro tease for the Team Cena, and B, your thoughts on Eric Rowan actually joining up with Team Cena. Um... I have to I have to put Rowan in the same camp as Harper as we always want more, 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 and then when it happens, we're iffy. However, I do wish we had a little bit more time with the idea of Harper being anything remotely close to a main event player. Um, I overheard a little bit about him being kind of a comedic character, and he has been. And before that, he was a tag uh, team person. And before that, or during that run, he wasn't all that great. He was kind of one note and a little bit stolly in the ring. So to catapult him in the main event and then have Cole orgasm ringside as if this is the biggest coming ever 
as if Stone Cold just joined the ranks of John Cena, kind of undercut what they were trying to oversell, which didn't work for me. At the same time, I want to see this work. I want to see it happen. And I want to see these guys grow as something bigger than what we see them now. This is where a lot of people are going to start. And this is where we need to support them if we want to really stand by our thoughts of bringing in new people. All right. Fair enough. Um, given the fact that there are four of us and we have several things still to get to, I'm going to go ahead and skip the commercial breaks. Okay. Just because we do have... We do have the pay-per-view predictions coming up shortly, and those do tend to take a while. Plus, a four-person final reaction is going to take a while as well. So let's go ahead and get into some uh, some plugs and then some quick hits here. The reaction is a presentation of Powerhouse Radio in association with www.prowrestlingpowerhouse.com, owned by our fearless leader, Jay Aletto. My name is Harry Broadhurst. I am the play-by-play voice of Real Action Pro Wrestling, as well as, well, jack-of-all-trades, more or less, down at Black Diamond Wrestling. Uh, Jimmy, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Oh, I'm a uh, seasoned veteran referee in the Northeast Ohio region. Uh, I work for such promotions as Black Diamond and Real Action Pro Wrestling, as well as many others outside the state, which too many to count at this point, and I can't count that high anyway. You're, you're, you're in the area where you're a zebra. The highest you usually have to go is 20, so you're cool. Right. Listen, that's a high number for me. Leave me alone. I had a bad education. It's, it's them Ohio education. Anyways, uh, Sean, why don't you go ahead and give your uh, your podcast a plug here. All right, uh, I write for 41 Mania, uh, and I write in the game zone and also do a, a my podcast that I do usually on Monday nights after this show called Wrestling to the Max is also part of 411 as well. Um, we just uh, usually review Raw, TNA, Lucha Underground, NXT, and then just talk about stuff on it, so... Listen, have you guys figured uh, it's available on the what? Have you have you guys figured out how that's going to work with TNA moving to Destination America? Well, when TNA is off, we're gonna uh, uh, try to do ROH and Lucha together, and then when TNA comes back, we'll figure out something. But who knows? All right. All right, Tony, go ahead and tell them about your work at 411 in addition to your writing stuff. Um, I am the only writer on the site that hides links to nude pictures of female wrestlers. Um, I am the raw... (laughs) I do the raw report on a weekly basis. I do the live recap. uh, Three hours of shame sometimes. For the most part, it's a lot of fun. I just got a comment that said I write too many jokes that are lame, so... Um, I, I'm going to basically double that up the next week and put more pictures of AJ. It's typically my response to criticism. Um, yeah, the, uh, among other things, you know, I'm just chilling, man. I just saw the link in question today. Bravo, sir. I feel like she kind of undercut what we wanted, and um, I think that we deserve what she promised us. Yeah, right. <laughs> if you read the raw report, you'll get it. Remember, parents, kids get your parents' permission if you're under the age of 18. Anyways, 
Time for quick it. Bang, 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 bang. Try and stop it. Bang, bang. Here I come. Bang. Quick hits. Bang. Honestly, not a whole lot to cover in quick hits today because pretty much everything tied into the overarching storyline. So let's go ahead and get into a couple things here. Uh, Adam Rose and Tyson Kidd. Um, A, our thoughts on Tyson's somewhat push, and B, do we have any interest in seeing Adam Rose versus the Bunny? For I like how polite you guys go. are. You guys are so polite waiting for us and stuff. Um, I'll I go first. Hate the, that. The bunny. <laughs> the, uh, I have very little interest in seeing the bunny versus Rose, although I see the place for it on the show. Uh, when my siblings watch, they love it. They find it hilarious. Although today was a little bit awkward. Um, we saw a bunny hump Adam Rose and uh, didn't see that coming. Although Beastiality coming, undertones. Yeah, coming probably isn't the right word I should be using. But nonetheless, oh, what we saw damn was... It. Oh. <laughs> we saw a bunny... Um, basically humping another wrestler. And that's funny to a degree, but was it necessary? I'm not sure. Um, Especially considering it's a PG-rated show, and I'm sure if you had some family watching it all, which I don't picture, but just assuming that that's what they're going for, I would also assume that a mother or father would be like, all right, what the hell is this? So I'm not sure where that belongs on the show or why they did it. I didn't laugh. I just kind of said, um, well then, and I think even some of the the commentary was shocked, like, what the hell's happening? <laughs> so, no, I have very little interest in seeing it, um, but I see its place. As far as Tyson Kidd, this isn't as much as a push as it is as he's just being used as a pawn to um, enhance Adam Rose's storyline, and that sucks. Stupid. Freaking funny, so damn stupid. There's no <laughs> point in having it on there. Adam Rose... I loved Adam Rose's going when he first came in. He was one of my favorites. When I, you know, the Exotic Express and getting the whole gimmick going and the whole party thing down the ring. I freaking loved that. And now they're poisoning it by making this bunny more interesting than Adam Rose. It's stupid. It has nothing to do with what he's doing. He should have been pushed faster, sooner. And I really hope that after Adam Rose hits him with the party found, JBL gets in the ring, clotheslines the little bastard to hell. <laughs> I would point out that uh, Adam Rose did hit the bunny with the party foul on SmackDown. Hope he hits him again, then. Stupid frickin' bunny. Sean? Uh, man, some passion there about Adam Rose. Uh, yeah, I uh, I really enjoyed Adam Rose when he first came in, uh, watching him from NXT. I was excited to see him get in the roster. But, you know, I figured this would happen with him. So it doesn't surprise me at all. Um, I wouldn't. I didn't figure the bunny would uh, wind up usurping him or anything. But uh, yeah, the humping thing was kind of like one of those awkward. Yeah, I, I just. Uh, I was like, what the hell is this? This is just really bad. If that winds up being Darren Young, you know that's wrong on so many levels. It's just <laughs> terrible. Or right on so many levels. Stop it, Tony. But. <laughs> You're gonna get well, glass mad at us. Get us all in trouble. Well, I didn't mean it. I, I just meant on like you know, though you trying to be a star, they just totally sailed the ship on that one. If they're you know, yeah. You have a vagina. Right. Yes. Thank you, Tony. 
funny. Um, all right, so the next two kind of tie into the overarching story of the show, but since we actually aren't going to cover them specifically, we'll actually discuss them right now. The first of which is Seamus versus Big Show. Not necessarily your thoughts on the aftermath, because we kind of already covered it, but the match itself. Uh, Sean, why don't you go ahead and go first here? Okay, Jimmy, feel free. Why? <laughs> why? Uh, Sean, no, it's okay. You go first. I don't have anything else to say. It was unneeded. Yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't need it. And also, Stephanie, like, really confused me. She made it seem like whoever won was going to get the title right then. I had to, like, rethink about what she was saying, and then I think the commentators finally figured it out and were like, oh, no, they get a title shot. And I was like, okay, that makes more sense. But I was like, okay, this is going to end in shenanigans. Who cares? And I, I forgot to mention that Hassan Kidd has also been involved in many other feuds where he's kind of been the pawn for that feud. But at least he's getting somewhat of push out of it. I know it's for Total Divas, but I appreciate it because we got the SmackDown Triple Threat match out of it, so... Hey, that was well worth it. Yeah, I love watching Tyson oh. Kidd work. Your thoughts on uh, Big Show and Sheamus, Tony? Um, you know, I mean, it, it's one thing to be like, oh, man, Sheamus is so strong. Look at him. Look at the Big Show. And then it's another thing to realize that you've seen this numerous times. So it wasn't here nor there. It wasn't anything extravagant, nor was it anything, you know, the whole stipulation, technically speaking, uh, I believe it was Sheamus that won because Rusev hit him with a boot, causing the DQ. So does he get a match in the future? I don't know. Um, Hell no. Yeah, it's also a shame. Randy Orton hadn't even gotten his rematch, so, you know, let us forget about (laughs) that one. Yeah, well, Orton, you know, I really thought he was going to come at the end. I thought that would have been much more of a stronger reaction from the crowd, as well as from myself and Rowan. Um, And at least Cole's shocking, you know, hyperbole would have made sense. But, yeah, Mark, uh, I'm sorry, Seamus versus Big Show, it was just a means to an end. It was just to get to the next step, which is Sunday. All right, the other one to touch on real quick here would be the matchup between uh, Rusev and Heath Slater. Do you honestly think we're ever going to see anything out of Slater above mid-card fodder? Because I see potential in Heath Slater, but I just... I don't know if they see him as any kind of a viable threat to anybody that they have higher up in their scenes. And if he's not going to be considered a threat to anybody, he's never going to advance. Yeah, it's, this is one of those real shame, uh, shameful things where you have a guy that can go in there, have a decent match, you know, entertain the fans, put smiles on people's faces, get people to laugh at him, get people to laugh with him. But more or less, he's just out there as a pawn and some sort of, you know, advancement of somebody else. He's a jobber. He's glorified. He's been that way for three or four years now. And it's it's been terrible. I mean, I, I, I think he's awesome. I enjoy his work. I think he's fun. I loved what he did uh, leading up to the, uh, oh, the Raw Super Show, where he was challenging legends left and right, and they'd all come out and either beat him. You know, he faced Doink. He faced Psycho Sid. Uh, you know, he faced Leadum and took a clothesline from JBL. You know, I thought it was great. I thought everything he did was great. And it's just one of those things where I don't think his work is ever going to pay off for him. And it's a real shame. Sean? Uh, you know, um, I've always enjoyed Heath Slater. Uh, 
he mentioned pretty much everything that has always been great about Heath Slater. Um, his personality immediately lets you get... I mean, I've never heard the crowd get so behind somebody when he beat Rollins that one night. I mean, that was glorious, just how hilarious it was that the crowd just got so behind Slater beating him. And I think he would be the one of those that would benefit. The only thing I think that I could see happening for him is if WWE does do something with a whether it's a network show or does something with a cruiserweight division, I I think uh, Heath Slater could benefit there. But that's probably about as far as he's going to go, sadly. Heath Slater is going to become what people refer to when they see a superstar such as Santino or Zack Ryder, wherein he's a capable hand. He has much more talent than they're able to show but at the end of the day, he has a spot, and he most likely will not leave from that spot. The um, the veneer of Heath Slater is the fact that he is the epitome of the underdog, and you never will see him um, break that glass ceiling. So that when the rare occurrence of Santino joining a Survivor Series team or being the second-to-last person to be in the Royal Rumble or Heath Slater standing up for America for five seconds, it's those moments that are only created by the fact that they are essentially losers. So he has his role, and I do not see him going anywhere aside from that. But if he's happy and he's getting paid and he's got his family, which I believe all of that has been uh, reported on, then, you know, you gotta you got to high-five the guy every time you see him for simply living his dream, even though it's not to the potential that maybe, you know, he may want it or he may have wanted it at one point. Um, in regards to the match, it wasn't a match, so the best part of it all was him simply saying ding, ding, as if he was Apollo Creed. Yeah, I, I think there's a spot for Slater, as you guys said, in the role where, like, when he beat Rollins, but I don't know if there's necessarily a, an extended kind of like Barry Horowitz push ever for him, because I don't know if Slater fits that bill, and, and I don't know if that kind of a gimmick would work in modern times anyways. Maybe as a once-off every now and then, like what happened when he did beat Rollins, but over an extended time period, I just I don't necessarily think that Heath Slater would be able to maintain the momentum that he would get off of a win against a guy like Rollins, which he had a couple uh, a couple months ago on Raw. All right, that's going to do it for that's going to do it for our quick hits here, and let's go ahead and get into the second do here, Tony. I know you got something planned here, so. Um, yeah, my second do is focus on Ryback. Uh, we've heard a lot of reports in regards to him getting a push, a big push, a real push, not like a let's face John Cena and you won't matter in a couple of months type of push, um, but an actual like let's put you up to the top. Now, before I wrote out what I wanted to say in regards to this, I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. I wrote this before the uh, the end of Raw in regards to what I wanted to do. It was during the Cesaro versus Ryback match and how I thought they gave him the perfect person to give him and lend him some credibility as an actual wrestler. One of the biggest complaints that people have had about Ryback is that he cannot go longer than four to five minutes. He's essentially the uh, teenage boy at prom. You know, he just can't cut it at the end of the night and just blows his wad way too early. Um, so wow. when he was in the, when he's in the ring with Cesaro you saw something different. I don't know if it was motivation. I don't know if someone had a talk with him before he went out there and said, all right, this is your time to shine. 
But I really think that he did. And I know credit goes to him simply because he was in the ring, but I think a lot more credit goes to Cesaro just to show how awesome he is. He made Ryback look really good. And I can give credit to both, but for whatever reason, I feel like Cesaro earns just a little bit more because he was the handler. He was the ring general. He was the one leading the, the entire match. And it showed, and I don't know, it was kind of fun to watch. So this was interesting only because it, compared to the end of the show where he was staring down Triple H, I think it would have been so much more powerful if he would have shell-shocked Triple H into the table or done something, even a right hand or a kick or a meat hook or whatever, instead of just giving the old tried-and-true John Cena AA into the table. <clears throat> even though it makes sense because Cena's the captain and all that shit, but I really thought it would have it was another one of those things where if WWE took the risk, they probably would have came out blowing instead of covered in shit. Uh, a couple things here. One, I noticed a couple really, really questionable, like almost sloppy moments in Ryback and Cesaro, but at the same time, they held it very, they held it together very well for two guys that probably prior towards the last couple of matches they've had over the last couple of weeks on TV hadn't seen each other in the ring very often. Or for that long. Yeah, and especially for not not for an extended period of time such as this. In all fairness... Uh, John, go ahead, Jim. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. All I'm going to say is, uh, in all fairness to your comment, Harry, is that Ryback's never been one of those guys that has the cleanest moveset in the world. He's never been the guy that you go, oh, man, I can't wait to watch this guy work because he's going to put on this five-star masterpiece, even if it's only for three minutes. He He's going to be sloppy. And Cesaro made him look a lot better than I think he's looked in a long time. Uh, you could tell he was a little winded towards the end of the match, which is something else that Tony touched on, that Cesaro made him work. Cesaro made him get to that point in the match. And I just really, uh, I liked that a lot. And I think that in the end, uh, you know, you're never going to get a five-star match out of Ryback. You're just not. Um, but I think he fits this role. But, I mean, all all credit in the world goes to Cesaro for uh, just making Ryback work harder than he probably has in months. Uh, Cesaro can pull it out of anybody if he can pull it out of Ryback, and I can't wait to see, you know, if they actually, you know, get to work again in the future, maybe have him do something even more interesting. I don't think Cesaro's ever had a bad match in WWE for that reason, because he is so great at what he does, and he just made Ryback look so much better, I think, than anybody else has in a match with him. Uh, you guys mm-hmm. mentioned the whole making it work and everything. And the thing I appreciate about a Ryback and the reason why I get upset about the Goldberg chance to still go on from the stupid people that just like to chant things is that Ryback appreciates actually going out there and working if he has to for a longer period. He doesn't, he's not like Goldberg that just wants to go out there and just squash people and live the gimmick and whatever. He's actually dedicated. He wants to be a wrestler. He wants to go to the top, all those kinds of things. So, you know, when I get to see a longer match at a Ryback, even if it does mean he gets winded, I think it, it says a lot about the guy. And obviously, there's a lot without having to say about how great Cesaro is.
one other thing real quick about that match before we move on. Do you think there's a uh, do you think there's room for like kind of a super heavyweight division inside of the WWE? Like I know that the uh the the WWE World Heavyweight title is traditionally geared towards bigger guys, but kind of like the old Haas division that was long rumored for uh for the promotion that Jim Ross was supposed to be involved with but never actually came to any kind of fruition and then um I think AAW out of Chicago is doing kind of something like that as well. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's because I have no interest in it, but I have no interest in it. Um, even if there is a room, it's just, it's more of a divide than anything. And I think that because of the, um, it, 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 well, first of all, this isn't the MMA. Um, second of all, I think it, it, the divide is too much where you will never, you're putting a cap on where someone can go. And I don't like that. I mean, you want to see someone like Shawn Michaels win the biggest belt of them all because it's a boyhood dream and it's amazing to see. But if there's a higher level than that, what does that mean? Does that mean that he'll never be able to get there? Does it mean that they're equal? Does it mean that the person in that level cannot go down? Like it, it creates too much of a divide in by title, not literally the belt, but the title, the name um, that I'm not sure I'd be okay with. All right. That's fair enough. I just, I've seen the, uh, I've seen the questioning about it before in other places, and I just I thought that I'd bring it to you guys' attention here real quick. Let's go ahead and get into uh, Harry Sandler. Uh, what do you mean, Jimmy? I just, like a super heavyweight division championship? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, like for, for guys over a certain weight class. So, what happens... If you have that weight class, but all the matches are lumbering and boring and slow and unentertaining, I mean, is that like a Mark Henry Big Show weight class where only they're involved? Or, you know, because I can watch that match maybe once and be okay with it. (laughs) (laughs) He's so right, Um, though. Harry, who is it that, who was it, you're going to know, and I should know because I do this damn show, but who was it that tried his best to get to a certain weight in order to compete for the Cruiserweight title? Was that Jamie Noble? Fat Hardy. It was Fat Hardy. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, (laughs) That's really the only quality that I could see coming from an issue like that, where someone tried to, like, bulk up and just to make it in that as a joke or something. Other than that, I see no, no reason for it. Yeah, it just seems pointless. Like, most of your good workers come in the range of 200 pounds to 275 anyway. I mean, look at guys like Cesaro. I mean, he's close to that, but he's more of a 245. Look at guys like, you know, uh, Dolph Ziggler. Look at guys like Tyson Kidd. They're not all these huge lumbering fellows. Like I said, you can watch Big Show and Mark Henry one time and be like, oh, you know, that was a decent match. Let's go to the next one. But you're never going to remember that. You're never going to want that to be the championship match of any caliber and say, wow, man, I always remember the super heavy fat weight championship. <laughs> well, that's a hell of a way to look at it. All super right, heavy on. Fat it's, time for Harry's. it's time for Harry's hit. Here it comes up. Here it comes up. Here it comes up. Harry's hit. Oh, 
right, so what I'm going to touch on here real quick with the hit here is I'm going to touch on the eight-man tag match. Uh, in regards to the actual match itself, I thought the pacing was okay. I like the fact that they only had the Mizdow in for brief moments here because I think they're teasing a much bigger babyface turn down the road for Mizdow. And I, I pointed this out to Jimmy. We were talking on Facebook during, uh, during the course of the show there. What does it say for a wrestling match when the Miz is the most normal member of a team? All I can think about is getting myself a fat-ass championship belt. I blame you guys. Out <laughs> of a bitch. That'll put butts in the seat. No, but uh, Miz was the most normal person on his team. Everybody take a second and realize that. It was an eight-person tag match. He had three of the dudes on his team, and Miz was the most normal one out of all of them. There has come a time in the WWE where there were very spontaneously put together tag teams of very random guys, but these these sons of guns took the case. They take the cake here. Uh I don't I mean I love the Miz Dow gimmick. I'm really hoping that he and Miz eventually have some sort of huge uh storyline and I'm I all it's written on the wall that it's going to happen. But I just I don't I mean I love what he's doing and it's almost a shame to think about like those two having to go into a singles match because then he's not going to be able to mock what Miz is doing. And I almost, I almost wonder if that's going to take away from his fandom because his whole, his whole fandom is just waiting to see what he'll do next or how he'll copy Miz next. But once they're in the ring together, how often is he going to be able to do that? And how entertaining will he be? How many people will turn on him once he's not doing all these nutty, crazy things? And I'm worried that it's going to be one of those things where you're excited to see where it'll go, but then it's like, oh no, he's not funny anymore. Uh, yeah. Well, I would think if anyone could survive that, it would be Sandow. Um, I mean, yeah, it is very interesting to see that the man who was talking to a cat is the most normal person in the match. Um, it's also very interesting to see Damian Sandow sell an entire arm drag in the middle of the ring. Like it was, <laughs> it was great. Was it me or did uh, Sandow also saw like a belated, like a belated double hip toss as well there? Like when he did that flip bump into the middle of the ring. Yeah, just to follow Miz outside. Mm-hmm. Uh do you guys think that Sandow mo- or Mizdow? Do you guys think that Mizdow mocking Miz during the course of a singles match would get the same reaction that him mocking Miz as his tag team partner would get? Yeah, well, yeah. I I think I mentioned it a week or two ago in regards to the old Lucy, uh, you know, the Lucy, I Love Lucy show where she was in front of a mirror and there was a clown and they were doing the exact same thing. I think if you started the match off that way, it would be hilarious and it would get the reaction that you wanted um, before Miz got pissed off and went on his own little rampage of, you know, beating up Sandow because he got tired of taking a spotlight. That's that's what I, I worry so. too. Like Jimmy said, is that what do you do with him once he gets out of the feud with Miz? Because he's not copying anybody anymore. So, what do you take him back to his old gimmick? I mean, what could they possibly do with it? he? He would. I mean, I'm sure Sandow will be fine because he'll think of something. But will WWE get behind that character and let him be Sandow without? Ruining it. 
Yeah, and that's another big thing too is the fact that look what's happened to the uh, the guys that have teamed with Miz in the past and then gone on to feud with him. What's happened to them? Alex Riley has disappeared basically off the face of the earth unless you're a pre-show or NXT follower. And our truth gets a chance to say what's up maybe once a week on SmackDown in a match that doesn't mean jack crap. I, I fear that the same is going to happen to one Damian Mizdow as well. Maybe he'll be the next Sean Morrison and just be bigger than Miz. He had a stunt cat today. Why was there a stunt cat? Why was there a regular cat? cat? Well, that's that's okay. the first question, but this is the question that's <laughs> that we can all agree to. That we can all agree with, and I purposefully ignored Grumpy Cat in the process of doing quick hits here because honestly, it wasn't really worth taking the time to discuss. Half the time, he wasn't and, even grumpy; he was like falling asleep. Yeah, that's yeah, how I, entertaining tonight's show was. Grumpy Cat fell asleep. The only the only thing I looked forward to was the possibility of Aubrey Plaza showing up. I haven't awkward crush on that girl um, because apparently she's the voice of Grumpy Cat in an upcoming film or something. But other but than that... You? Uh, You're saying that you have awkward crushes on women? Get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> I, call I call bullshit on that. <laughs> Calling bullshit right now. Uh, it's over. Show's over. Jimmy wins. <laughs> I win the internet. Oh my God. <laughs> Between the fat ass championship and Tony's awkward world, <laughs> women crush. World world fat ass champion. Thank you. Make it happen. Someone make it happen. Well, <laughs> actually it's ironic we call this a segue in this business. Hey Tony, it's time for your third do. Oh, oh is no. it? Oh yes, Jimmy, it's exactly what you think. Hello, ladies. So, um, there was there were, there were a pair of twins in the ring that didn't really mean anything to anyone at all. And then AJ comes Here out comes. and just changes my life yet again. Um, she was on the mic for on the on, she was on commentary for all of I want to say two minutes. And no, realistically, okay. So we got this storyline that nobody cares about with the Bella twins. Um, I thought that this whole exhibition match was kind of clever, actually making her sister dress up as AJ to show AJ that she can beat AJ's ass. Um, and then you saw Brie kind of like fire back, but only a little bit, not too much, uh, but just enough to make, you know, an impact. And then the best thing possible happens. AJ comes in to stop the rack attack, and Brie goes into immediate yes mode, and I don't know, she's, she put a little bit too much squat in it. It kind of worried me, but... She goes, yes, 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 and and you're like, even as a fan, you're like, okay, we get it. And then AJ just kicks her right in the fucking chin. It was beautiful. And then hits a DDT and walks out like, bitch, shut up. It was great. And it fits her character. And I don't know, because, you know, if you were to look at this from the um, perspective of, let's just say, John Cena, would I be mad? Probably. Probably. But because it's AJ and because... Well, it's AJ. No, but realistically, because I, I feel like she has the right to do that. She's got the belt. She's got the badassness. And, you know, she's AJ. I mean, it's just... Aw, <sighs> put in. Oh, shucks. I'm just going to point out the fact that... Tony weirder Tony and weirder. 
I'm just going to... Oh, no, you want this show to get weird. I can make the show no, weird. No, you stop right now. No. I know no, no, exactly no. where you think you can go, and you're not going to... I'm this afraid I've rated. got some bad news. You're breaking <laughs> my freaking heart. Nobody really knows this, but... Tony Bacero. The softest lips. And sometimes, at night, we spoon. Oh, yep. <laughs> I just shivered. <laughs> you brought you the one good point you did make during your entire little ramble right there is that there's another storyline with the Bellas that nobody seems to give a shit about. <laughs> That's at least they had sense enough to. At least they had sense enough to give it the two minutes it deserves, and that's it. And not make you know us what, sit through 60 minutes. You know what freaking drives me crazy? I hate when Bree does the yes chant. I I cannot stand that. Just because, like, okay, we know, you know, he's your husband, whatever. But don't steal his shit. Don't, don't do that shit. No, I'm stealing her. I'm pretty sure Brian gave her the blessing to do it. He Just gave her more than a blessing, I'm sure. Time. Yeah, I'm sure that he's giving her more than a blessing, but just don't don't steal his shit though. Gave her a little christening that on the forehead. That always maybe. happens though. So when uh, so when Stephanie does the pedigree, you're a problem. What's that? So when Stephanie does the pedigree, do you have a problem? No, because Triple H generally is standing there watching it, but she's also not a wrestler. She would learn that. From her husband, you'd think Bree would have her own thing. You'd think Bree would have has... more. You'd think she'd have more than bore mode, but she doesn't. <laughs> Tell this me, I'm is wrong, not Tony. an argument you're going to win, Sean. Tell me, I'm wrong. I, I just think it's silly because how many times have we seen that? What, Sable did the TKO? I mean, seriously, how many times have we seen the women in WWE, they're with somebody, they take the guy's moves? It just happens. I don't think he's mad about her taking his moves. I think he's mad about her stealing his heat with his, uh, with his signature. If Brian was there, she wouldn't be doing the yes chant unless he was doing it with her. It's a whole, it's more about remember that Brian is around. Remember, Brian still exists. Don't forget about and him. And that's the point that Tony's raised No one I think has what, forgotten that Daniel Bryan is not there. Nobody yeah, I think what, has forgotten what, that. What bothers him the most isn't so much that Bree's stealing a move or taking a chant or anything like that. What, what I feel that you're angry about, because I'm angry about it too, is the fact that it's similar to John Cena doing a yes chant or the big show doing a yes chant. They're trying to jump off of a fame and a fan base that simply isn't theirs, and they're attempting right. to manipulate it to be theirs. So it's like a it's like a facade. It's like they don't even really like you, bitch. They're just chanting yes because that's what they do when they hear that word. Stop it. Right. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. Yeah, it's, but I don't have a problem with Big Show and Cena doing it. I don't have a problem with Bree doing it. Yeah. See, I'm with Sean on this one. I don't have a problem with Bree doing it. It's you know what? You're talking proper- to the world. <laughs> Heavyweight, fat champion, and Tony Acero, so just fat ass world champion. <laughs> Show me respect. <laughs> unfortunately, 
unfortunately, I'm also about to lose my backup because he's got some prep work to do. Let me play the sound effect one more time and go ahead and get another plug-in for your show, Sean. Sean Garmer. He's brought to you by... Wrestling to the Max. Alrighty, well, uh, probably in about like 20, 30 minutes, we're going to be starting Wrestling to the Max. Uh, we usually start with the news and then go on to the shows. So probably by the time they're done, we'll, we'll be starting Raw. So if you want more Raw, <laughs> go over and listen to Wrestling to the Max on Spreaker or all the other places that podcasts are available on demand after the show's posted. So. Thank you Not guys for having me on. I'm sorry to steal your thunder there, Sean. Not to mention, you can also listen to Wrestling to the Max through the Facebook Yes, Yes, Yes group, as well as the Facebook Wrestling to the Max group as well. So, Thank you, sir. Absolutely. I Go ahead completely and forgot to promote that. So. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for having me on, guys. I always enjoy. Uh, nice meeting you, Jimmy. And you guys oh, enjoy, you know, Rest uh, great of the or great rest of the show. All right, Sean. Thanks for sitting in with us. Um, Sean's dropping right before our our pay per view predictions, but that's all right because we actually have a uh, another member of the Powerhouse Radio family in queue. Uh, the technical host of Under the Mat Radio, Evan Prout. Evan, can you hear me, sir? What's going on, guys? This is a uh, tech. Oh, as long as Evan Proud host on the Matt Radio. What's going on? Yo. Excellent to have you, sir. <laughs> Welcome aboard. Thank I am you. the world fat-ass champion, Jimmy Christopher. Yeah. You're yeah, welcome! I've heard. <laughs> I've heard. It's good to finally be on um, one of the other shows of the family of the Pro Wrestling Powerhouse. So, here to talk about pay-per-view predictions. All right, let's go ahead and get into them here. Uh, it's not a whole lot of matches to predict, but there's a lot going on in these matches, so let's get it, go ahead and get to it here. The WWE presents Survivor Series this Sunday, on November 23rd at 8 o'clock, free on the WWE Network to new subscribers. I'm not sure if current subscribers get it for free or not. No, they they never really did it. Still going to charge oh, well, that's that's nine ninety nine. Well, that's just they a dick move. They charged, they charged me three days ago. So they should have they put that up on the fine print. Their current subscribers will still get charged nine ninety nine. It's only free for those who haven't subscribed yet. That's so that's unfair. That's a dick move. Yeah, I paid for five good. years at once, so I guess I can't complain. You've paid for five years. You know AJ's not going to last that long, right? <laughs> oh, yes, she will. You shut your oh. mouth. <laughs> You know what? She and I are going to have a champion versus champion match, and I'm going to make you watch. I like watching. God damn it. Who likes watching? Oh, that crazy okay. just made my cough come back. All right. Um, all right. Since she just came up, let's go ahead and discuss Divas title, AJ Lee versus Nikki Bella with Brianna Cinderbella at ringside. Uh, Evan, you're the new guy here. Why don't you go ahead and go first? I mean, if y'all don't know, I don't know if y'all listen to to my show much. Uh, we really don't care about the women's matches. I mean, it, it, oh, well, then you fit right in here. 
Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> Who really cares? I mean, it's like on Raw. AJ did the run-in. Nobody popped. Everybody was getting popcorn or on their cell phones or sending the text. AJ Lee probably prevailed with champ. But then again, there's speculation, speculation she might be leaving at the Survivor Series to spend time with Punk. So, and then who really cares? But I say AJ Lee will keep the title because who really wants uh, the ballads? Who really cares about the storyline? What, what difference would it make if uh, seeing his girlfriend or uh, want to be wife that he'll never marry because he won't he won't he'll want to give up most of his money? He wants the title, so. Uh, world fat ass champion. <laughs> I'm the champion. The champion goes last. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the host. I disagree. I'm the champion. How dare you disagree with me? I've got a belt. You've got a microphone. Tell me which is more important to you, slave. Uh, no, the um, one that has the mute button. Oh, yeah? Ladies and gentlemen, can I have some decorum, please? <laughs> Bad news, Barrett, I miss you. Come back to us. You're my favorite wrestler. God, I miss him so much, but that's a whole other topic in itself. Uh, the Divas match, though, I mean, we can't all be as lucky as Tony and be glued to the television during a Divas match. Uh, I'll probably be either cooking or preparing for Thanksgiving at that point of the show. But uh, if I have to pick a winner, I'm probably going to go with AJ Lee because I'm just, I just can't see them giving the, uh, the boring twins any, anything like a belt. I, I don't want them to. I'm really high on Alicia Fox right now, and I wish that they would do something more with her. But at the same time, this match, I just... Uh, I just... Oh, Nikki Bella, you're so bad. Giving it to AJ for sure, barring a uh, some sort of ridiculous interference. Yeah, AJ is definitely going to win in probably the five star match of the night. Um, as an aside, I may be doing the live coverage for Four One One Mania for Survivor Series because Slim has a flight to catch. I don't know if that's a literal uh, statement or a metaphor, but you never know with Slimmer. So. If I do be covering it, expect a five-star match. Four and a half if AJ loses. That's typically the way this runs. Um, she's going to win. She's going to take the title. She's going to make sure that the Bellas don't touch it. If either one of the Bellas do win the belt, then I probably will no longer be interested in anything the Divas division does, and I don't see where AJ can go from there. Um, flying dudes. Tony picked AJ. I hate I hate to be the bearer here, but uh Oh no you don't I know how much I know how much you love your AJ Tony, but I'm afraid I've got some bad news. Come back to us, that is there. Come back to us. Would you shut uh, the hell up? Nope. I'm gonna keep going, Harry, you don't get to talk. It's my show now on the champ. <laughs> oh, I think no. Nikki Bella wins the title on Sunday night. Do, and the reason I say that is because I think we start the slow burn to Bella versus Bella for the title at WrestleMania. Uh, everybody, everybody mm. can't wait to see that match. So, given that scenario, buy buy or sell Bree trying to help AJ win and accidentally screwing AJ and costing her the match. 
You see, the thing is, with the way that uh, AJ attacked Bree tonight, I think if Bree's going to get involved and cost AJ the belt, he's going to do it on purpose. So I'm going to sell that. Do you think she'll turn? I don't necessarily think she'll turn, but I think she'll go after AJ intentionally. I mean, granted, Which that is more or less a turn. Which means we're probably going to see a triple threat match at uh, the December pay-per-view. TLC. Tables, ladders, and yeah, chairs, if, assuming AJ <laughs> is still around for TLC. Well, they'll probably put the title vacant and download uh, uh, Natalie, not, uh, Natalie back onto the women's division like they always do. When they have nothing else to do, they just download her into the storyline to try to ask yeah, her. I'm okay with that. I like Natalia. Uh, all right, let's go ahead and move on here. We got the 14 tag match for the WWE Tag Team Titles. Have they announced if this is elimination or if this is one fall to a finish? They said fatal four-way on the site, so I'm assuming it's a one fall. It's one fall. Which means this is going to be a clusterfuck of the highest order. Did you just use the F-bomb on this show, Harry? Yes, I did. you did you're not allowed to do that. You're dethroned. I'm the champion. I'm... That's what I do! Um, man, I really hope they give it to Miz and Miz now. Oh, I know that they probably... Ducky, ducky, quack, quack! Go away, Booker. <laughs> um... I mean, I know that they probably won't give it to Miz and Miz now just because everyone wants to see them feud eventually. But I think that it would be really yeah, fun to I see them. <laughs> I think it would be Let him talk, Tony. That's not I, me. I think it... Oh, Harry's trying to push the blame off on somebody else. I respect the champion. He respects the fat-ass champion. <laughs> I think it would be really interesting, just a really interesting storyline for them to be champions with the way that they're going now. Uh, I mean, I'd love to see, maybe even just for 30 days until the TLC pay-per-view, but just to kind of test the waters and see how the people react to Miz and Mizdow being the champion, or the champions as, you know, Mizdow is still his stunt double and all that. Will it be a thing where Miz carries both titles and he says, oh, stunt doubles don't carry titles, and that's what leads to their eventual wedge or something else? But I really, really would like to see if they could possibly do something more with that. So I'm going to pick Miz and Miz now. I like your idea in theory, but I think it's going to be a different team that the tag titles are used to break up. And I say that because I think that the Brothers Dust are going to retain. And it's eventually going to lead to the big blow-off where Cody and Goldust end up finally having their one-on-one match at WrestleMania. I like that, too. Uh, Evan, you want to chime in here? Uh, yeah, of course. I would, uh, uh, like the one guy said, I doubt, I'm sorry, I'm trying to get used to the names. Uh, I, I would love for, uh, Miz and Miz Dow to at least win the title so we can see how, get some light to the tag division. How many times are we going to see Brothers Dust, Dustin and Cody with the title? How many times are we going to see them against the Usos every single match, every single WWE program for free? You got to pay for it. So, I would love to see Miz and Miz Dow win the titles, but of course this is WWE here we're talking about. So looks that Brothers Dust is a, uh, I like that name, will retain the tag titles. And Los Matadors or Apricot and Primo will get less 
<laughs> of uh, the work in the matches. They always do. Uh, Tony, who you got? Yeah, I'm going to agree with the um, with Goldust and Sardust winning the. Or, I'm sorry, keeping the titles. Um, I, I also agree that I wouldn't mind seeing Sandow. What kind of silly antics they would come up about with Sandow and Miz winning the belts? Um, I kind of pictured Miz carrying both titles too and giving Sandow like cheap replicas and saying you're a stunt double and just a lot of funny shit. But that I do believe be that fantastic. The kids version. Yeah, of the see, see how fun does that sound? Now that you say it, how fun does that sound? <laughs> but wait, but what? But but what about this idea? Have Miz and Miz double the tag titles, but yeah. also that they can also be a more stunt double than one. So if, if Miz Dow wins the title and he's Miz's stunt double, wouldn't that mean Miz Miz Dow needs a stunt double too? As long as it isn't Hornswoggle. I'm sure they they can go somewhere with so that. Kinda like, I mean, it's, yeah, it's kind of like the that. thing. Yeah, it's kind of like the thing where you got Scott Pilgrim from Chris Evans' character had all the all the stunt doubles, and Scott Pilgrim had to face like all twelve or thirteen of them. That <laughs> would be kind of cool. Not to have twelve or thirteen Mizzes, but have Miz win the title. He could be Miz to still be Miz's stunt double, but then Miz Dow has his own stunt double too with the Rubber Cabell. That actually would be pretty well, fun, and they can actually use it as an advantage. Well, the real well, is stand up. Well, the other thing too is there's belief that uh, Tyler Breeze from NXT might be getting a call up soon to work with the Miz, so that could be a role that you might be able to slide Tyler Breeze in. That's a good, that is a, that's a good point. All right, let's get to the only singles match on the card. Well, that's not the only male singles match technically. The only singles match that matters. Sorry, Tony. Dean uh, Ambrose and Bray Wyatt. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and go first here. Uh, okay, I guess I'm not going to go first. Why is Bray going to win? Uh, I, I apologize for that. I'm sorry. I didn't know if I need to raise my You're hand. You're fine, Evan. Like school. Uh, <laughs> uh, We're pulling Bray, straws. <laughs> yeah, casting lights, pulling straws, tossing stones. Uh, Bray, Bray needs to win. reason why. Uh, Dean is the... Brian Pillman-esque, uh, lunatic friend. He's already over with the crowd. Bray, no, they're reintroducing Bray Wyatt's character. He disappeared at the scene of Burton for three months. So get reintroducing the character. You need to have that character. Him be the monster hill. You need to keep pushing, putting him over. Because what is it really going to help Aaron Dean if he loses? He didn't really be Seth the past two to three months. So I feel best way to book is hey Bray... And Dean tear the house down. Bray Wyatt defeat Ambrose. Of course, have the rematches. WWE always love to do rematch clause two or three times after one match. Have them um, face off again at TLC. Then have Dean go over on Bray. Or have Bray beat him again. Then you can have the final straw at the Rumble. But you got to have Bray Wyatt. Since you're reintroducing him as the Monster Hill, you have to have him continue to win. Because you got to make him a threat again. Because he's been away for the past three months. So... No use of bringing somebody back and having them lose. This, right, my Tony. opinion. Tony, you want to go next here? Um, if there's one thing I've learned about Bray Wyatt, it's that the WWE thinks that he is untouchable as far as character-wise. They feel that his character is so strong that he can lose over and over and over again. And all he has to do is cut a promo that people seemingly think makes no sense when it does 
it's just not as strong as his voice inflects it to be. Um, with that in mind, I do feel that Bray Wyatt's going to lose because they like Ambrose a lot, and they feel that Wyatt is untouchable. Um, I don't agree. I really do. I um, I do think that Evans right that Wyatt does need to be made strong because he's been gone for a while and because he's got this aura about him where he may be bringing up new people. Um, and you can't really believe that he's a leader if he's not winning like a leader. Um, but like I said, I think that they believe way too much in his hype to allow him to win. So they kind of look at it like this. Who can survive a loss? We think Dean Ambrose can. I don't think that they think that. We think that Wyatt cannot. I don't think that they think Wyatt can. So I'm going to go with Wyatt losing um, and Ambrose winning. All right. Um, I'm actually right along Evan's line of thinking here in regards to his thought about Wyatt needing to be reestablished here. I almost think you have to pull the trigger on giving Wyatt a win here, and I think they do so, and they do so by debuting the Ascension as the new members of the Wyatt family. I agree with that. Uh, Jimmy C., you get to go last on this one. I'm respecting the title. Champion goes last. Um, I like Wyatt in this match because I don't think they'll pull the trigger on the Ascension this Sunday. I think they're going to wait till TLC. And the reason they give Wyatt the win here is to give Dean Ambrose motivation to go after him further, get more answers from him, because they haven't answered all the questions yet. They just know, oh, well, your father's in prison and he sends a letter to <laughs> Bray Wyatt. And eventually there's got to be some sort of link in the story where everything comes, you know, full frontal. And I don't think they give that until later on. So they'll give Bray Wyatt the win here. Dean Ambrose will chase him to TLC and they'll have another match at TLC. That's when the Ascension arrives and they put the boots to Ambrose, giving him a little more motivation and somebody else to fight in the Royal Rumble the month after. Uh, so I'm going to give it to Bray Wyatt this Sunday. I say bring back the full kids. Bring back the full kids of America. Bring them oh, back. No. Bring back the little black girl singing the songs. What happened to her? <clears throat> I don't know if there's I don't know if there's going to be a uh, an opportunity to do that a second time within a, within a calendar year though. I mean, it came off Weird, but original when it was done back at Extreme Rules. But I think if you use the same kind of finish in this match as you used back at Extreme Rules, it's just going to come off kind of hackneyed, honestly. I mean, that's a good idea. All I right. mean, that's true. All right, so the last match here, and given the fact that this is a four-match card, you got to think that this match is going to get a crap ton of time unless they add something last minute, which is entirely possible. But let's actually talk about the team, the Survivor Series match here and Team Cena versus Team Authority. All right, since there's only four matches, we'll do this as a two-parter here. Which team wins and who stands? <laughs> uh, Tony, why don't you go ahead and take this? Um, I think that Team Cena wins, and I think that John Cena and Dolph Ziggler are the last ones standing. Um, I see more storyline capabilities in the authority losing. Um, I'm not sure why. I'm not, I, I don't, I don't really know where they're going. I usually have a strong implication of where they're going and what they're doing, but I don't really know right now. I, and it's kind of a good feeling. I want to see where they go with it. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with team Cena winning Dolphin Cena being the last one standing. 
All right, Jimmy, who you got? Oh, man. See, it's always hard to pick these. Uh, for the last two weeks, I've been saying that Ziggler was going to turn heel and turn on Cena, and I, I'm going to stick with that, and I'm going to say Team Authority wins with Seth Rollins being the last man standing in the match. Yeah, that's what I'm going to go with. Authority with Rollins. Uh, Evan. Of course, uh, first thoughts, Captain 4K, John Cena will win. His team will win the last two standing, however, instead of Ziggler will be Cena and Ryback because they're about to push him. However, I got a feeling with these shit, do you screw everybody, have Team Authority win. Do you know Team Authority is more than five people? Cesaro did show up. You still got Bullhead Mercury and Jamie Noble. You still got all of these other facets of people. You still got Triple H that still could work. So, or who's to say Orton could come out to believe and help out Team Cena. But who knows? Captain 4K is a win. I do believe Captain Cena will be Cena and Ryback will be the last two. It's actually ironic that you bring up Orton, and the reason I say that is because Orton ties into my pick being the exact same as yours, Evan. I think Team Cena wins. I think Cena and Ryback stand. And I think that they stand when Orton gets involved. Orton does something that puts Rollins down to the canvas, and it may even be a punt that might get a uh, another member of Team Cena disqualified, but at the same time, the pun itself will put will put Rollins down I, to the canvas. I think we'll all I think we'll all agree here that Seth Rollins will be the last one to get eliminated by um, the last one to get eliminated by Team Authority. I completely yeah. agree with that. I think we can all I think we can also all agree that Rusev will submission loss in this match. He will leave by he will exit this match via abandonment. Oh, and we also we also do agree that uh, Church Slacks Kane will be the first one to get eliminated. Yes. <laughs> Who? Kane and probably probably and Big Show. Slacks. Yeah, Kane and Big Show will be the first two to get eliminated. And if a black man was in it, if Kofi Kingston or uh, Archie, oh my gosh, any of those, he definitely would be in it. And I could say that because I'm a black man myself. And there's a lot Can of I white guys it? who are great. <laughs> <laughs> it so, just got awfully racist up in here. <laughs> <laughs> but, not, but, not, but seriously, if you look at Kane's history of matches, he never does well. He's always the first to the second to get eliminated first. And what, what is Kane doing but wasting time? Him and his church slacks and his two headlines. And, I mean, Kane's a great talent, but he's just there wasting space, collecting more money before he retires. Get his full Did you hear? Uh, he does kind of. I will give Cena that. some credit. He was kind of accurate uh, when when Cena called him a Drew Carey lookalike. He's not entirely wrong. Drew Carey, yeah, which is uh, interesting yeah, considering that Kane and Drew Carey have a little bit of a history. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, Royal Rumble 2001. Hey, real quick, what, what happened to that old Survivor Season music from back in the day? Remember that old Miss McMahon uh, Survivor Series? You know. They lost that to the uh, world. They lost that to the World Wildlife Fund in 2002 when the WWF raped them for pretty much everything else. <laughs> oh yeah, true. The Illuminati and everything else. <laughs> Blame the Illuminati and the World uh, World Wildlife Panda Fund. 
Those damn pandas. All right, Evan, why don't you go ahead and get in a plug here for Under the Mat? All right, guys, thanks very much. Of course, this is Evan Proud of West on this tech, host Under the Mat Radio. We are live every Tuesday night, live, 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 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Coming up tomorrow, live, we will have a former three-time Pancreas champion, former UFC heavyweight champion and legend, and current star of Inside the MMA on Access Channel will be Bass Rootin. We'll be joining Under the Mat Radio. Also, Ring of Honor, CZW, Maryland Championship Wrestling, and great ring announcer Larry, the legend trademark, will be joining us tomorrow. Coming up soon, we will have legendary comedian from Mad TV, Ari Spears, will be joining us, the great Ivan Koloff. Roll with your animal and a whole bunch of others. Check us out on Facebook under the Matt Radio, Twitter at Tech under the Matt Radio, and check us out on our email under the Matt Radio at gmail dot com. All right, thanks for coming in and doing the predictions predictions with us, Evan. We appreciate it. Anytime, guys. Have fun. Thanks. All right. Uh, anything you want to touch on before we get out? Uh, two things. Uh, One, I did not hear him mention that he was having the world fat-ass champion on his show. And number yeah, two, uh, yeah, for everybody that's listening uh, to our show live, don't forget to turn over to uh, Powerhouse Radio. I believe it's uh, Sean Garmer is coming up with his Raw review after this, so make sure to tune into his station and his show because it's bound to be awesome. Yeah, yeah, um, I'm going to go and do a full plug for them before we get out of here. I just want to say that three out of five people is 60%, not 80%. You caught that? You caught that earlier, so, too? Yeah. Are, are we really splitting hairs with Michael? We're really splitting hairs with Michael Cole's math when he's having orgasms over Eric Rowan. It was yeah. Jerry Lawler who fucked up. And it was just, I mean, that is a huge mistake. That, you, you got three That's guys elementary here. school math. And you say 80%? maybe it was maybe it was Cole's orgasm over Rowan that confused him. I don't know. Rowan didn't come out until after that flub. But the point is, these guys, come on, man, come on. They're just getting worse week by week. I mean, we are more entertaining than them three, and I don't even try. Right. <laughs> Which one of them is a fat ass champion? Which one of them is a fat ass uh, champion? No, 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 no. That is wrestling God. Not a fat ass. Thanks for joining us, Jimmy. Pleasure as always. Oh, absolutely. You guys. To AJ Lee and her new website, please visit it. It's aj acero.com. I'm done. I'm good. And if you want to actually get to the website, it's aj brooks.com. Stop it. Now who's splitting hairs, asshole? As Jimmy started to say there, let me give let me give him the full plug. Sean Garmer, Gary Jovan, Paul Bryan Leiser, they make up wrestling to the max, and they will be starting if they haven't started. We're actually running a little bit over here. They will be starting shortly. Make sure you give them a listen on Stitcher, and if you listen to us on uh, on through the Yes Group or through Powerhouse Radio Group, they're friends of the family, and I'm sure that we can get a link up for their show via the Yes Group if it's not already up, or definitely put something through the actual main page on Pro Wrestling Powerhouse's Facebook page as well. He's Tony Acero from 411 Mania. I'm Harry Broadhurst of Real Action Pro Wrestling. This has been the reaction for November 17, 2014. We will see you next Monday night for all of the fallout from Survivor Series as well as the dawn of a new era? Or maybe we'll even begin a new day. 
How swank did Kofi look, by the way? No. Good. Not a fan? No, you know, we can't talk about them because we're not black. So let's just stop now. I have nothing better to end on than that. He's Tony. He's Jenny. I'm Harry. We'll see you next week here on The Reaction on Powerhouse Radio. Badass champion of the world. Of the world, Craig. Presentation of Powerhouse Radio, www.prowrestlingpowerhouse.com. Join us later tonight as Powerhouse Radio presents Under the Mat Radio, live at 7 p.m. and in the archives of Powerhouse Radio.